This is Reaching the Finish Line. And I'm your host, Callan Dix. Check out the website, www.reachingthefinishline.com. And pick up my free report. Save up to 75% what they don't want you to know. ReachingTheFinishLine.com I am delighted to have our guest is Peter Sage. For those of you who do not know, Peter Sage is an best-selling author. Uh, he's also the founder of, of Space Energy, which is basically a space-based uh, solar program. It's something I've actually uh, written about in, um, in my article, How to Identify the Entrepreneur Within You. Uh, I wrote that for Good, the Goodman Project, the award-winning magazine, and where I included Peter in that article. So you can definitely find that there. Um, uh, if you on, on the GoodmanProject.com, uh, Peter is also a serial entrepreneur who has developed many businesses, and uh, some of them have turned out to be successful. And he also uh, runs a business school uh, that he does quite often in South Africa. And he has a new book uh, that's coming out uh, in the late of this year, and it's called "I Am." I'm definitely looking forward to that. Uh, Peter, welcome to Reaching the Finish Line. Well, Callan, thank you for inviting me. It's uh, it's a pleasure to be here. What a lot of people have problems in is the whole certainty model. And, um, you know, for me, I grew up, you know, uh, as far as living in certainty. You know, I, th- I think we all do because we all we want something that is secure. We want something that is safe. Uh, we fear to kind of go into the unknown and we fear to make mistakes. But the reality is that there's not a perfect world. But if you can, Peter, give us some background, kind of talk about kind of how you know how you uh, how you started and kind of how you found your way. Wow, it's a fairly open-ended question. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and one thing I say to people about you know when when we talk about the past, just remember that all the past is as far as we hold it conceptually. Uh, in, in, in reality, it's nothing more than a present time memory of an event or a series of events that we perceive happened from our perspective with the brain filling in most of the blanks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I'm sure, you know, as I, I age in years and I, I look back on my past, I'm sure the brain fills in one or two more blanks based upon where I currently <laughs> am at the moment. So, but from, from my side, you know, asking that kind of question, you know, how, how did the whole certainty-uncertainty paradox resolve itself around uh, my life? Well, you know, I, I grew up, I was, I was very fortunate. I did have two, you know, well-meaning, loving parents. And although we didn't have a lot, you know, I was born on a low-cost housing estate in, in the middle of a, a fairly rough area of town you know, back in 1972. Uh, you know, what I, what I did have was two, two parents that, like almost every parent, want to do their best. Yeah, and we, we need to remember that you know, the last time you bought a DVD player, it probably came with more instructions than your first child. <laughs> yeah, so you know, parents are just us trying to figure out how to deal now with a whole different set of responsibilities that challenge our identity as people because you know, we screw up on, on our own stuff, we can carry the can, but when we screw up on somebody else's game, and especially if it's a, a child, there's a whole different series of emotions that get triggered and, and different buttons that get pushed along with that. So, you know, all I can say is that I had two parents that, uh, although uh, didn't come from you know, parent school, as nobody goes to, they did come from a place of, of saying, you know, how do we do the best we can? And 
Uh, and I think that's where everybody comes from. We forget that we project our own model of the world onto our own relationships. And challenge of that is most people, you know, our earliest memory is conditional love. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, we tend to project that throughout our relationships as we, we grow old and, and interact. Then wonder why you know, everybody we meet tends to have the same patterns and realizing it's not them, it's us. Mm-hmm. But from from my side, you know, I uh, I started out. My my parents wanted to do the best, and you know they they encouraged me. And what was very interesting was that my my father was uh, kind of an atheist. He was a, a bit of a, a lad, a bit of a wide boy, a bit of a, um, a, a what we call a Jack the Lad in his day. Mm. He was it was kind of a, a bit of a gang leader and <laughs> a bit of a, a a rough kind of guy. And my mother was actually a uh, looking to be a trainee nun. And, uh, and I was looking to be a convent girl, would you believe? And you, you couldn't get much more of a dichotomy. And so I grew up in that kind of environment. And what it taught me, and I only, only realized it looking back in hindsight, was it taught me tolerance for other people's points of view because my mother would never force her religious views on my father. And my father would never really you know, uh, moan at what he called you know, my mum and her God Squad friends. Uh, and yeah, they're always welcome in the house to to have you know whatever it is they were doing. So yeah, there was a there was a, an okayness with everybody else being okay. You didn't have to force your model of the world onto somebody else in order for you to feel certain that that model of the world was right. There was kind of a an understanding that we come at life through different looking glasses. Mm-hmm. And so that really gave me a I think a higher level of ability to to roll with the punches. Mm. You know because when we talk about certainty. Now, it is a fundamental addiction psychologically to, to yeah for most people on this planet, mm-hmm. and it's a fundamental need. Yeah, let's not discount certainty. Certainty is something that we all need at some level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I if I wasn't certain that the room I was sitting in right now you know had a ceiling that would stay above me for the next five minutes, I would move. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if, uh, but the the way we uh, get hooked in. To certainty, it kind of spreads like a virus, you know, almost like a cancer. You know, we need to be certain that people will love us. We need mm. to be certain that we're going to have a paycheck on Friday. We need to be certain that the weather's going to be good for the barbecue we're going to have. You know, we need to be certain that you know when we send something, an email, it's going to get delivered or a package or what have you. There's there's a, a craving for certainty, and there's a lot of industries that make a lot of money around serving that need for certainty. Yeah. And, it, what's, what's interesting, Peter, is uh, my whole life, uh, well, I won't say my whole life, but I would say definitely out the first uh, 18 years of my life, kind of give you a background, my parents wasn't in my life, and uh, my grandfather raised me, but uh, my grandfather, um, I, I, know he, I know he was eventually going to die, and he did that when I turned 15 years old. So, um, so kind, of, kind of between, I want to say, uh, 15 to uh, between 15 to 19, probably the most uh, I guess uh, per- pertinent years that I lived with uncertainty. And for me, it was quite the contrary. I was searching for certainty because I wasn't comfortable with uncertainty. My grandfather, uh, he was he was a person that wasn't a fan of uh, paying taxes, so uh, he did very well for himself. He just you know according to his morals and beliefs, that's not something he wanted to do because he he felt like uh, the money that he did that he did pay for taxes never went to anything useful or productive. So uh, it was it was kind of a protest on his part. 
So uh, when he did die, um, you know, the city, they kind of took away everything. And uh, for me, uh, I didn't have a lot of choices because, you know, I didn't really have no close ties to my other family and they didn't really care to want to take care of me. And, um, and at the same time, I didn't want to be an orphan either. So uh, for myself, uh, one thing I was fortunate of is that uh, he definitely he he, uh, he took he took the initiative to instill work ethic into me at a very young age. So yeah. from there, uh, you know, so at, you know, at twelve years old, I was bagging grocery, I was getting tips. Uh, I turned fourteen, I had a summer job, um, and I was just kind of just picking up jobs here and there. So I knew I knew what it was like to earn money. So by the time I was fifteen, and then he died, and I had nothing left, um, you know, I was you know I was kind of Determined because I already know what working was providing for myself in a way was like I was I was quite the contrary Peter and where uh, during a, during that time and where uh, my, my my godfather uh, he was a landlord so he did kind of rip me out of place even though he was reluctant in the beginning um, still it's just uh, kind of living paycheck to paycheck and kind of not knowing have no direction or compass I was actually searching for certainty rather than embracing uncertainty yeah Yep, 100%. And that's a very common pattern. You know, bearing in mind, we, we live in a society that has the, it, it's been more conditioned to certainty than any other time in human history. Mm-hmm. You know, we get ill, uh, then yeah, we go to the doctor and expect to get an antibiotic to, to treat what it is that we've got. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we get hungry, we go down to the shop and buy some food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the, these two things alone have only been around for our generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my parents had rations in the war. Mm-hmm. You know, only turn of the last century was penicillin discovered. Yeah, mm-hmm. so the children growing up into an environment that has so much certainty take it for granted, and they've never been tested. Yeah, they've never been tested in, in the reality of life, which says that certainty doesn't exist in nature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there, there, there is no such thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. Yeah, apart from, as you quite rightly point out, death and taxes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, from, from that side, you know, learning to embrace levels of uncertainty is really a primary skill. And I say it's a skill because it's something you develop. It's not something you tend to be born with. I mean, yes, we do have a comfort zone. But that comfort zone when it comes to certainty and uncertainty is far more environmentally conditioned rather than genetically conditioned. Mm-hmm. Right? Because of our our usual reaction to circumstances. Just like the human body is conditioned, you you could have good genetics, but if you don't go to the gym and you go to McDonald's, you're going to have a different result. (laughs) So there's there's a situation where if you have an environment that tests you, you we say the strongest trees don't grow in the best soil, they grow in the strongest winds. Mm -hmm. You have people that get over the the, the number one pro- fear, which is the fear of death for mm-hmm. most people, and people say it's the most you know, paramount biological imperative is to avoid the fear of death. Um, mm-hmm. But you have people that have gone through a near-death experience and let go of that fear, and they have a very different outlook on life. Nothing in their life changes in terms of the story of their life, but how they look at the story of their life shifts, and then everything shifts. Mm. So, you know, if I could ask the listeners on the call right now, who here has had something in their life that they felt certain about, whether it was a job, whether it was a relationship, whether it was a deal, whether whatever it was, only to have it taken away in a heartbeat. 
Mm. And virtually everybody on listening to this, I'm sure, could relate to a situation like that. So ask yourself, where does certainty exist? It doesn't. And therefore, you come to the conclusion that the people that I've studied that are the happiest, or not say the happiest, that live the most fulfilling or rewarding lives, or have easier access to fulfillment, joy, or freedom, emotional freedom, are people who have learned to have a higher ability to handle uncertainty. Mm. Because uncertainty is ever-present. Certainty is an illusion. doesn't exist. Get over it. Mm -hmm. You know? But... The, the, the conditional reaction to uncertainty is usually driven by the media into making you freak out about it. Mm -hmm. It's sensationalized. It's hyped up. It's, you know, oh, one sniper you know, is on the loose and two million people panic about it. Mm -hmm. Oh, look, one aircraft goes down. Well, something you could board an aircraft on today's statistics randomly yeah, every single day for the next 32,000 years and be okay. But, oh, no, I'm not flying that airline because their safety record is two out of the last 2,000 flights you know, have had something wrong with them or mm -hmm. whatever it may be. So we get oversensitized to uncertainty and therefore we start to lie to ourselves that we can't handle it when the truth is we can, but we've been conditioned to be in a cotton wool society that says, oh, well, if this happens, then, oh, my God, what do I do? I need somebody to come and fix it. No, mm. I, it nulls our resourcefulness and it basically looks that gift in the mirror and says that you're not good enough to be able to handle this when the truth is you can. Right. So, Peter, uh, to give you some contrast, in my book, Reaching the Finish Line, you know, I try to help people uh, reach the finish line in their careers. And, uh, you know, for some people, you know, they want to be employees. For other people, they want to be entrepreneurs. Kind of, you know, people have kind of found what's going to be a good fit for them. Um, but a lot of people uh, place a strong emphasis on college. You know, they go to college because uh, they believe that, you know, if they get a college degree, that's going to be their ticket to uh, financial security. The problem with that is, especially here in the States, is uh, unemployment uh, among college grads, whether it's undergraduate or postgraduate, continues to go up. And uh, it has, and since the Great Recession, it has not gone down, despite, you know, despite here in the States, uh, if they're saying that the economy uh, has came to a full recovery, uh, you know, a lot of people are skeptical of, of, of statements like that. And, um, and looking, at this, looking at the stats. Um, the unemployment rate among those grads has continued has continued to go up overall. So that begs to ask me, uh, ask you, Peter, what can they do to slowly transition from certainty and to uncertainty? Well, the first step is to wake up. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the the college deal or the the overall um, myth that was put out, which was very relevant in a 20th and early 20th century yeah, educational model, which was mm -hmm. the more education I have, the more money I will earn. Well, you've already you know, demonstrated that there's a lot of people that bought into that that are now regretting the fact that they did. Mm -hmm. For those that do go to college, and you know, luckily I never suffered the disadvantage of that, but you know, for those that do go to college and graduate, and they, they have some level of, of personal significance because they're externally validated because they've got a piece of paper by uh, uh, an institution that basically says that they're smart. Mm -hmm. And that would be okay if you're following and studying something you're passionate about that you then want to go out and express 
as a, a way to engage in life is to give your gift. That mm -hmm. I fully and a 1,000% endorse. Mm -hmm. But if you're picking a college course based upon how much certainty you think you'll have of succeeding so that you can get a degree so you can stand in front of an employer and wave a piece of paper that says you're worth more now, then I'm sorry, you're just sadly mistaken in today's 21st century reality. That mm. doesn't work. Yeah, people buy people, not resumes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if you and if you're conditioned to thinking you need that certainty and when you graduate, you still don't feel certain. And the people that graduate, the statistics will show time and time again. Yeah, rarely even enter into a career remotely associated to what it is that they studied in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah, right? and, uh, here um, in the States, Peter, uh, only 27% of college graduates are actually in a career that they went to, that's related to their uh, major. And how long for? Yeah, and for, and for, and for, them it's, for them it could be anywhere between four to six years, depending yeah. on if they got bachelor's or master's. Yeah, and, and and if that, you know, so, you know, yeah. I, okay, so I, I go into a, a field of study I've just spent or four years of my life, you know, learning about, and yet within a period of months, uh, if not a short period of years, most of them are off on something else. Mm -hmm. And not just that, where's the guarantee in today's moving society that what you're studying right now won't be obsolete by the time you graduate? Mm hmm yeah, because we're definitely in the information age, and uh, you know things are constantly changing, and you know we're, we're definitely living in an ever-growing era of society. And so I definitely agree. And you know there's no guarantee that by the time you graduate with a particular degree, that it's going to be relevant for the next uh, eight to ten to twenty years. But I like I like I like what you brought up, Peter, about you know as far as when you said about the whole passion and tying it to college, and where I agree, if a person is really passionate about, let's say teaching and um let's say uh let's say they graduate and they don't end up working well if they're so pat well if they're if they're very passionate about teaching well they're going to be a teacher anyway because they're passionate about teaching they love it they enjoy it they're thriving on it but if it's just someone that's going to college that's just expecting a bigger paycheck and like, like you said that's waving in front of the, of the employer and say i'm worth more then yeah they're going to be very disappointed so um I don't want people to think uh, the pe people that's listening to this. I don't want people to think that uh, you know I'm discount college because college can be valuable, but you have to you have to uh, you have to uh, analyze the perspective that you're going into it from, and where that again, if it, if it's through passion, then absolutely it can be resourceful. But if it's going through uh, perhaps ego, or if it's going through uh, materialism, then uh, chances are um, that person is going to be disappointed. Would you agree with that, Peter? Yeah, of course. It's it's a it's a you know, very simple formula. If you're chasing certainty, you will chase you know, your tail. Uh, and in terms of unfulfillment, because you cannot uh, you cannot achieve a, a sense of personal satisfaction if you take the path of or what do I think will be the easiest path to take to get me where I think I want to go. Life doesn't work that way. I just want to take a moment to tell you about Dreamhost. Dreamhost.com. Is the award-winning web hosting service rated by PC Magazine. With their current rates and positive reviews, I couldn't think of a better company to recommend. You can get $10 off a one-year hosting plan or $25 off a two-year hosting plan when you use the promo code Callen, K-A-L-L-E-N. DreamHost.com, PC Magazine, best web hosting service. Now, you know, if you're following, say you're following your passion, then you don't mind going through the obstacles and, and having the persistence and, and swimming around the the, the, op, the the setbacks. That that's part of the game. It's part of the the, the tapestry of, of life at that point. 
But mm-hmm. if you, if you're saying, well, okay, what do I want to study? It's, and, and let's give a business example here. Yeah, let's okay. say you, you have a, a a girl who is a manageress of a hair salon, and so yeah, she knows everything about the, running the hair salon. She never sees the owner because the owner's opening her yeah, fourth salon somewhere else, and she thinks, you know, something. I I anybody could run a business. Yeah, I manage everything here, and I listen to that voice in my head because it, it says. You know, I should be captaining in my own ship, and I'm going to do it. I'm I'm going to embrace the uncertainty. I'm going to take the leap, and I'm going to go start my own business. And yeah, she takes action, which is you know, most people don't do, but she does. Now, here's the question: What business do you think she'll start? I'll probably hair salon. Yeah. Now, here's the best question to ask: Why is it because she's passionate about cutting hair, or because she thinks that that will give her the most chance of success? Because that's what she's most certain she can do. Or for most people, she's thinking that that's what's most certain that she can do. Absolutely. So here's what happens. That's the first fundamental mistake. So now we go and we're going down the path of certainty in business, which every mm-hmm. business owner and entrepreneur will tell you. you know, the, the time it takes for something to show up in business that wasn't on the business plan is around about 36 seconds. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, it just it doesn't exist. So, mm-hmm. so when uncertainty shows up, as it will, predictably, then psychologically, she started that business because she was following certainty. Now uncertainty shows up, the decisions that she makes unconsciously as to what she does next with her behavior are driven by a need to replace that uncertainty with more certainty. Do you follow? Uh So she doesn't do what is required to be working on the business, she starts doing what she's most certain about, which is working more in the business. So she starts cutting more hair mm-hmm. yeah, or, or doing you know, uh, restock take or whatever it is that she knows she has more certainty on how to do because she's made the fundamental mistake that says that just because she understands how to do the technical work of the business, that that would qualify her to run a business that does that technical work. And that doesn't mm-hmm. happen. She's not even an entrepreneur. She's she's more of a technician that you know had an uh, entrepreneurial fantasy one day and decided to to swing the bat. Now that's nothing against this girl. She's already you know she swung the bat, but now you know, that doesn't solve the problem. Working in the business never solves the problems that are required to be you know, cause you to work on the business. Mm-hmm. So and now she's working sixty hours a week. She's working less per hour or earning less now she did as a manageress and probably less than at McDonald's. And now business isn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. So let's rewind. She says, this is it. I'm going to swing the bat. I'm going to start my own company. And rather than say, you know, I'm going to choose the path of certainty, she says, you know something? I don't know much about working with animals, but it's something I've always wanted to do or children or people or, or whatever it is. Now, I've been mm-hmm. passionate about being able to start a, a business on organizing kids' parties because I, I love doing that for my kid. You know, it's something I've, I've helped my neighbors with. I want to do that. And it's passion, she's passionate about it. Now, when uncertainty then shows up, which it will, and probably sooner, if she doesn't mm-hmm. know the, too much of the technical aspect of the business, mm-hmm. she then starts to handle that uncertainty from a place of passion, which will always tap her into being more resourceful than if she's being thrown out of whack by trying to find certainty. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, by, by embracing the uncertainty at that level and saying, I don't care what's going to show up. But I'm going to use certainty and uncertainty to my advantage. How do I do that? I'm going to become massively certain that I can handle uncertainty. Mm. 
That's 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 uh that's a great way that you put it, Peter. I've listened to a lot of your interviews, obviously, and there are a handful of books that you've recommended that I've had the the chance to read some of them, and uh, I've really I've really been appreciative of, of those works. Uh, one, uh, I've, I've started reading a few books by a person you mentioned by the name of James Hollis. Oh yeah, excellent. Doctor. And I've. I've read uh, uh, one was called Why Good People Do Bad Things, Understanding Your Darker Self. And the other one was um, What Matters Most, Living a More Balanced, Considered Life. And uh, those books has really uh, kind of opened some doors and kind of give me a better understanding of kind of myself and people. Um, and, uh, and there's and there's a lot of other books. But would you would you say, Peter, perhaps, um, you know, reading some some of these books that you mentioned probably can help people uh, turn it tied and you know become more comfortable with uncertainty here's here's the deal if you think that by reading a book it'll help you're basically running the same pattern you're looking for certainty externally Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now what the books can do is give you greater insight into uncover some of the reasons yourself why you can then switch how you balance certainty and uncertainty but a book is never going to do it just like Mm -hmm. reading think and grow rich isn't going to make you rich yeah, that it, it will ignite something in you if you're ready to hear it. Mm-hmm. And okay, uh, and so from from a uh, a book perspective, yeah, you know, Hollis is pretty heavy going, and, and I'm yeah very uh, very impressed that yeah you've gone out and, and actually read a lot of his work. He's he's an amazing guy, and it just really shows me the the the, the testament to where you're at, Callan, in mm-hmm. your life, because you know when the student is ready, the teacher does appear. Right, and if you have a look at I say that the the pattern that's running, most people are trying to use skills to get certainty. Mm -hmm. Oh, when I take this course, read that book, learn this technique, then I will have more certainty, more certainty in how to handle uncertainty. It's never going to happen. You're on a hamster wheel to nowhere because Mm -hmm. now when you finish that book or that course, unless you, as I say, have it hold up a mirror to show you a part of yourself that you can identify with that allows you to tap into what was already there, then you're relying on something external and that's never going to happen. Now you'll, mm-hmm. you'll, ha- you'll, you'll have more skills, but you won't have the certainty. That's why you see people in education say, oh, well, when I get my degree and they get their degree, then they want their master's and they get their master's, they want their PhD. And mm-hmm. it's this progressive path of thinking when I arrive at a destination that I'm not already at, then I'll be okay. But guess mm-hmm. what? You're always at the destination you're at. Mm-hmm. So therefore, you cannot have a situation whereby you think that skills will give you certainty. Now, if you, you know, it's contextual. I'm, I'm talking psychological here. If you want mm-hmm. some certainty on how to drive a car, you've got to have some skills in, you know, in some driving lessons. Yeah, right. then, 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 then you build it if it's if it's if it's context specific in that area. But if you're talking about certainty and with which to handle life or start a new business, and you're under the illusion that yeah, learning everything will give you certainty, it may give you temporary you know, levels or higher levels of certainty. But you, certainty comes from within. Mm-hmm. Certainty comes from standing on the edge, saying, "Listen, I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't care what's going to happen next. I know I'll handle it." Mm-hmm. Because right. if, if you're trying to learn everything you can about, you know, and take driving as an example, if you're trying to learn everything, there are going to be situations on the freeway that you didn't learn about how to mm-hmm. deal with. Mm-hmm. Coming from a place of, oh, I've got to learn everything to handle every situation versus, know something? 
I'll, yeah, I trust I know and go. I'm going to deal with this as it happens the best of my ability. Yeah, and life can roll the dice and I'll roll with it. Let's, let's play. Let's dance. That's a different attitude. That doesn't come from reading a book. Reading a mm. book will allow you to deepen those levels of ownership around that if you read the right stuff and avoiding the media, which I'm, I'm passionate mm -hmm. about. Or, <laughs> as you probably know, or yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, you right. give me somebody who has no skills or half the skills and no certainty, uh, sorry, uh, but a thousand percent certainty, and you give me somebody who has all of the skills and half that certainty, and my money's on the person that has the certainty because they'll figure out a way to make it work. Mm -hmm. uh, simply, it's just a tool that we can use to ignite ourselves within, to basically, to basically uh, you know, light the fire within us to trigger, to make us uh, be the champion that we have, uh, uh, or basically discover the champion within ourselves. It's not so much of uh, reading a book and, and thinking that it's going to be the solution, rather reading a book and looking for the insights that can, uh, that, 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 you, that can click with you and that can ignite you to uh, overcome your fears, overcome the challenges that you see as obstacles. Would you say that's right? 100%. Absolutely, Callan. And that's why you can have two people read the same book and it speaks to them in very different ways. Mm. It's a reflection of your level of consciousness and readiness at that time or awareness and willingness to be open to something that's a greater possibility. And if you're looking for something to just validate where you're at, then it's a waste of time reading. If, right. you, if you're looking for something to help uh, uh, inspire you into becoming more of who you were but had forgotten or not realized, mm -hmm. then, you're on, then you're on track. But, you know, you, and again, Think and Grow Rich is a classic example. I've met more self-made millionaires that read that book than any other book on the planet, at, mm -hmm. least, at least until mine's coming out. Right? Um, <laughs> but I've also met a lot of people that read it and are still you know, working you know, dead-end, low-wage low jobs because they didn't get it. They were hoping the book would give it to them. No, mm -hmm. it's never going to happen. The book will allow you to look inside and trigger certain things that were there that were ready to shine. And mm -hmm. if not... Yeah, it'll give you a duster to polish your diamond. How's that for a metaphor? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. So um, now let's talk about that, Peter, and how it relates to um, kind of the whole law of attraction idea. And um, so for some people, you know, you know, you know, people kind of have the basic concept, which usually is derived from the movie The Secret, that if they think about something long enough. And, you know, they, they have vision boards and things like that, that they're eventually going to attract it in their lives. And uh, really, that, I think that's a half truth. And, and The Secret it, it, it was a great movie in many respects. And I know, you know most of the people that star in The Secret as good friends uh, of mm -hmm. mine. You know, we've all been in the industry for many years. But the, and it was a two-edged sword. On, on one side, it, it exposed people who were in victim mode to the, the, the absolute truth that our thoughts create reality at a, at a certain level. Yeah, there is a correlation between how you think and the circumstances of your life. So it was very good to expose people to that. The mm -hmm. flip side of that sword was the fact that it oversimplified the fact that, well, then, okay, think positive thoughts, think get rich, yeah, meditate on checks in the mail, and guess what happens? You become rich. Well, no, that doesn't happen. Yeah, you mm -hmm. meditate on checks in the mail, and you get an eviction notice. Right? <laughs> so there, there has to be a deeper level of understanding. And the reason that a lot of people from a, a practical perspective are turned off is because mm -hmm. it, they make it too nebulous. Yeah, the whole mysticism of metaphysics has been for many centuries very nebulous because we didn't have the understanding of the science to back it up. Mm -hmm. 
now we do. Yeah, in the last five to ten years alone, the advances in quantum physics, nonlinear dynamics, advanced chaos theory, ontology, all of the fringe sciences that have been benefiting from this knowledge revolution and technological revolution have all validated the same things from a million different angles. Uh, and mm -hmm. that is that you know, the outer world is created by our inner world. Mm -hmm. uh, and at a subatomic level, all matter comes from the same place. It comes from a unifying energy field where everything exists as a possibility and is collapsed into a particle matter reality based upon something that we don't understand, so we label it, and that label is intention. Mm -hmm. So our intention is a, a huge part of what shows up in our life. Now, again, it's never as simple as, well, let's just intend. Because uh, if we, if we, if we, you know, I'm, I'm a simple guy, I, I like bringing it down. But if, if we imagine we have, a, say, a thinking center and a feeling center, the mm -hmm. first rule of being able to use the law of attraction to your advantage is to understand that you need an alignment, you need a harmony, you need a connection between your thinking and your feeling center to make them on the same track. The challenge mm -hmm. there is that what aligns our thinking and feeling center faster than anything else is fear. Mm -hmm. yeah, and going to, you know, watching The Secret or going to a positive development seminar or anything, you know, all that kind of stuff, and say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be a millionaire, I'm happy, I'm happy, I'm happy, and you get your mind uh, trying to repeat mantras, and the heart turns around and says, I don't really believe it because my self-worth and my net worth are tied together and my net worth is in the toilet. Mm -hmm. Therefore, I'm not really a millionaire, I've got to pay the mortgage on Friday, although I'm standing in front of the mirror making these false claims to try and convince myself. Well, you'll never convince the heart. The heart only right. knows truth and non-truth. Game over. Right. Yeah, the mind is, a, is an amazing tool that'll you know, uh, run the show for you if you allow it to, but the heart, you can never lie. Mm -hmm. So if you have alignment between the heart and mind and you believe what it is, which is why passion is so important, because you follow your passion, it unites your heart and your mind together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, go follow what you're passionate about, and you can turn that into something that will then materialize into wealth. Bearing mm -hmm. in mind, wealth is nothing more than the perception of abundance. If we mm -hmm. attach that to a, a, a monetary aspect, which is what most people assume wealth to be these days, then you start to understand that all money is is a byproduct or a consequence of how much value you can add. And you can't add any value to anything if your heart and mind are not aligned on what it is you're passionate about. Right. So, That's say so. Broadcasting that signal, it has to have a consistent basis. As soon as you focus your intention, it affects matter at a subatomic level instantly. Now, mm -hmm. you then magnify that into the trillion times mass that we call our out of the world that we experience as our layer of the world, our model of the world, our experience of reality as we, you know, in in our movie called our life. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, you realize that you know, it's. It's, it's like you can't make a baby in, in three months, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is a time period where it transitions from the subatomic into, or the quantum, into the Newtonian. And we call that Newtonian to uh, quantum to Newtonian transition point. And it takes time. Yeah, so the oil tanker analogy is that, look, if you think positive thoughts, if you align your heart and your mind, if you get passionate behind what it is, you come from possibility, you ignore the story of your life emotionally. You have to deal with it practically, but ignore it emotionally and start mm -hmm. focusing on the story that you want to have happen and live there as if it's happening now emotionally. And that's a choice. Yeah, that's not, it's not, 
Yeah, unless you're a victim mode and think you can't do it, which is a lie, just conditioning. Mm -hmm. Then what happens is that oil tanker starts to turn. Yeah, you flip the wheel and say, right, I'm sick of this trajectory. I'm turning left. But of course, you do that on the ocean and nothing happens for two kilometers because the oil tanker is an oil tanker. Right. But once you've given that signal, that instruction as the captain, you can relax. As long as you keep that signal on, eventually it'll start to turn. And that's where most people get disappointed. Oh, I'm thinking positive, happy thoughts. Oh, I've got my heart and mind aligned. And then some crap happens in my life and I have direct evidence that it doesn't work. No, you have direct evidence of two things. One is the fact that you know, you've got some residual movement from the oil tanker based on the last six to eight weeks of how you've been thinking previously. Mm -hmm. The second is that you have no idea how to tell life to deliver what it is that you want because life operates non-linear. There are no straight lines. You may think that I'll set a goal and I know how to achieve it, but the reality is the river bends. Every river winds towards its destination. You don't know what's around the bend. But we fight the bends, we fight the current, because we think it's taking us away from our goal, where we don't realize it could be taking us around the bend so it could catapult us fast around the next corner towards where we want to go. So we kick and scream at the circumstances of our life, which simply tells the oil tanker to let go of the wheel and have it spin back on target where it was. Definitely, I definitely agree with both, uh, you know, both kind of laws, you know, as far as the law of attraction and as far as the whole law of in, uh, embracing uncertainty. However, I think what I think, you know, what some people may see is there might be a contradiction sort of because, um, uh, you know, I do see the benefits of embracing uncertainty and how that can definitely propel you. But at the same time, doesn't law of attraction away promote certainty because you're fixated on something and then you're certain that you see what I'm saying? Like I feel, I, I feel like in a way it's, it's sort of, it's, in a way it conflicts with each other or do you think not? Absolutely not. And allow, allow me to resolve that paradox for you. The, the mm -hmm. law of attraction focuses on the destination. Handling uncertainty mm -hmm. allows the journey to that destination to unfold in a way that you can't expect. Mm. Okay. For our audience, give us an example of that. So, if you will. I'm focused on a certain destination. Yeah, law of attraction, think positive thoughts. This is what I want. I've got a vision board. I've got a house on it that I, I see myself living in. I've experienced it emotionally. You know, I have total certainty and alignment that law of attraction will work towards that. However, learning how to handle uncertainty allows me to ride the river to that destination around all the bends that I didn't see coming. Ah, uh, I see. So in a way, you're you are using certainty, but you're not using certainty certainty as sort of like the main vantage point. It's more like in the background. Use as far exactly. As... Use your ability to handle to, for certainty to to yeah handle your your position in the current. Don't mm -hmm. fight the current itself. You use your mind to. Yeah, deal with your position in the current. If you're at a, if you're driving down the highway and there's a red light, you've got to press the gas. You know, you've got to do something. You can't meditate the fact it's going to go green. Right. right? <laughs> so, right, so deal practically with the outer world. Don't get sucked right. into it emotionally if it's going to take you and align your heart and mind with fear or disappointment. Yeah, the outer world is the reflection of the originating image of the inner world with a time delay now with most people they get pissed off at the outer world and they get angry with the reflection and then wonder why the reflection get gets angry back mm -hmm. 
I see. So what? It, so basically, uh, to put it succinctly, would you say that uh, you could be certain about your goal, but at the same time, it could be very helpful to embrace uncertainty along the way to your goal because that would that would increase your chances of accomplishing it. Would you say that? Correct. The how is none of your business. Okay. When you understand that, that the how is none of my business, how the river gets to where my destination is, is none of my business. But if I'm looking at it from the traditional ground floor view and I'm on a, a kayak yeah, and I'm going down the river and I want to go south and my goal is south and I think I'm doing great and all of a sudden I look up and there's a, a fast bend to the left and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. A lot of people start finding the current and get to the end and drag their, their canoe across the, the bank to the other side. You know, that when, right. when, the, when the bend comes, that's, that's a very ineffective way of being able to do it. That's called fighting reality. Right? Yeah. And if you fight reality, I've got news for you. It'll keep winning. Right? So, <laughs> so instead, if you were to have the ability to, to look at a higher level of dimension and you were to float up yeah, 200 yards above the river and you were to see that two kilometers downstream, your destination is assured, would you then care about where the river winds? No. No. So go with the flow. Relax into the current. If something shows up, you know, if there's a boulder in the middle, you've still got to paddle around it. Mm -hmm. right? You've still got to deal practically with the situation outside the world. But don't get thrown off balance because the river suddenly throws you a curveball. Go with the flow. Celebrate the journey and know and have certainty that the outcome, the destination downstream is going to happen. At that point, you're far more likely to have the river guide you to where it is. And it, and it knows the fastest route. You don't, mm -hmm. because our mind wants a canal. It wants a straight line, mm -hmm. but there's no straight lines in nature. The river always bends. It always winds its own magical way. It could be that you're on your way to a business deal, and you pull up at the stoplight, and you're excited. This is what's going to buy you your dream home. And next minute, somebody rear-ends you from behind, and you think, oh, crap, that's all I need. Now, now I missed the meeting. I missed the deal and everything else. Well, you never got to vote what the next was round the bend in the river. It could be that you're so focused on this house, life's got a faster way. And the person that you meet in the insurance office that's filling out the claim form for your car turns out to be a customer that you do a 10 times bigger deal with or recommend you to somebody who is. You don't know. Mm -hmm. But if you suddenly start you know, spinning the wheel back on the oil tank, say, oh, crap, that's all I need. Jesus Christ. You know, wow, thanks for that. Yeah, life sucks. This positive thinking doesn't work. You then find out that the guy behind you doesn't have any insurance. <laughs> great, great, great points. Great points. So, and one thing that I think is important too is to be able to uh, be in a be in a mood or in an attitude of gratitude. And and um, I, I, one one of the principles that I learned, kind of learned that from the secret, but I also learned that from a uh, philosophy I'm not sure you're familiar with, it's called Stoicism. And um, uh, I think I think it was uh, Seneca. And um, basically what he said he would do is, uh, despite where he was at in his life, he would, he would uh, place himself uh, or he would put himself in an environment or he would place himself in a situation that's, that's much more impoverished because it helps him to appreciate what he has, you know, because I think a lot, a lot of times we lose sight of that. A lot of times that, uh, you know, we get frustrated because we don't have certain things and perhaps we're not mentally ready for it. We're not emotionally ready for it as we spoke about it before because we're so fixated on certainty we can't get past that. But uh, I think one good precursor is to uh, start with getting in a, a mood of gratitude and appreciating what you have. And sometimes um, it, it helps by, you know, uh, looking the other way and seeing that, you know, 
you know, looking at people who are doing worse off than you and looking at yourself and saying, oh, oh, wow, I actually do. I, I actually I actually should be grateful for what I have. One thing I noticed about you, Peter, is I think you said in a previous interview that uh, you said Dubai is not real. You know, you live in Dubai and probably is is one of the most uh, desirable uh, cities in the world. Uh, but you say it's not real for a lot of reasons. And one thing that uh, that you say you do is that you go to uh, Africa a lot uh, because it kind of gives you an opportunity to use that contrast to be more appreciative. Uh, can you speak to that more? Certainly. And yeah, I'm not quite sure if I, I'd buy into the whole you know, purposely put myself in an impoverished situation so that I can appreciate the good times. Uh, I mean, that, that, that'll probably happen on its own just as the vicissitudes of life take you, know, take you on the journey that you're meant to be on. But it's mm. far easier, as I say, to, you know, go, go connect to, you know, go, 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 go feed some kids in a soup kitchen. Yeah, go, go, mm-hmm. go sit in, a, in a, uh, a hospice where people who haven't got relatives to come and, and tell them they love them and spend some time with them. And you'll start to get, find... You've got a lot more to be grateful for. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't sort of go to the extreme of giving all my personal uh, uh, stuff away. That that says you don't value what it is that you've got. Oh, no. But yeah, oh, no. <laughs> and I know where you're at. Oh, oh. But uh, <laughs> no, I was. I know you're. Not, I know you're I was... recommending that. But no, it's uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Remember what's real. Yeah, there's so much in these days that disassociates people. You'll see them sitting next to each other, sending an SMS. Right. You know, you, you'll see them on a. a, a uh, on a, a subway and, and everyone's buried into their iPad or their iPhone or their text or whatever. It's just, there's no, yeah. You know, and people say to me, you know what? I'm in business to business. So I'm in business to consume. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're in H to H. Yeah. 21st century business is human to human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, we're connected at that level and it doesn't matter what somebody's got. Yeah. If that's a reflection of some of the value they've added, then celebrate that. If somebody hasn't got as much, then show them a way to add more value. But, and it doesn't have to be getting out there in business. It could be touching somebody in a way that, that really puts a smile on their face because they feel as if they've been heard. Mm-hmm. You know, so you know, gratitude is the fastest way to, to get into a state of abundance. Mm-hmm. And we're surrounded by abundance. It's a natural birthright. You know, the, the, the apple doesn't you know, produce one, one pip. You know, the tree doesn't produce one apple. Yeah, there is abundance everywhere in nature. And if, as soon as we get into harmony with that, we can start vibrating at that level and we start to find more abundance in our life. Would you say, Peter, that in a state of gratitude makes you more, un- makes you more comfortable with uncertainty? 100% because you-, you can always find things to be grateful for. Mo- most people who are you know, experiencing a, um, yeah, the certainty trap to be mm-hmm. fair and, and have stress about that is because usually they're far too focused on themselves. Mm-hmm. Sorry, that's, that's just the way I find it. Mm-hmm. You know, you start putting your attention on other people from what can I contribute, not what can I take. And you'll start mm-hmm. getting in touch with a, a way to be able to handle more uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, Great, great. And if it's from a, a I'm sorry, Peter. Yeah, if, if it's done from an authentic place, not, not a, not a horse trade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so coming from a place of, you know, how can I serve? How can I add value? How can I contribute? Not because I'm scoring points, but because it's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Right, right, great. So, um, Peter, if you would, um, you know, let people know uh, kind of, you know, what you're currently working on um, and how people could follow you. Well, my, my website is petersage.com. 
And you know, I'm spending most of my time right now, uh, apart from putting the book together, uh, teaching what I'm passionate about, which is obviously my philosophy, personal development and business. Um, I'm running a, a three-day uh, millionaire business school, which I, I do around the world. As I say, I've just done one in Johannesburg. We're doing one in London next month. Uh, check my website mm -hmm. for details. It's an incredible three-day experience that I've designed to take people through an entire process of redesigning themselves, reinventing themselves to a place of abundance and then giving them all the tools, techniques on how to go start a business that, or improve the business they've got to create the financial abundance that supports that. And it's a, it's a transformational three-day program. I'm very proud of it. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's my favorite three-day event that I teach. But I, I'm, I'm doing a lot more around the world now. Uh, again, please follow me on either Facebook or Twitter. I'm always trying to put out as much value as I can and give people uh, as much information as I can, my YouTube account. Uh, for example, has a, a ton of stuff on there for people. But please go to my website, register your interest, and I'll send you a lot of um, things that I think will help not only with the certainty and uncertainty trap, but also uh, a lot of other ways that I, I want to add value, whether it's personal abundance, business, um, yeah, understanding psychology, being able to be ready so that the, the teacher will appear, and, and much more. Peter, I am so glad that you came on. Uh, thank you for being our guest on Reaching the Finish Line. Cal, it's uh, an absolute pleasure. You're doing amazing work, my friend. Please keep up you know, the, uh, the great job that you're doing and inspiring other people. And thank you for the opportunity to share. Thank you for listening. Just another great episode by Callan Diggs, best-selling author and career strategist at Seen at Fast Company and Inc. Magazine. If you're not on an email list, you're missing out go to reaching the finish line.com and subscribe to get all the exclusives